This is your brother James, and this is Easy Sex is Not Clean, and Clean Sex is Not Easy. Welcome to the podcast this uh, next round. Uh, we're in If I Had a Son series, so I don't have a son, but if I did, this is what I would tell him. Uh, we're in part three. Um, this I'm going to title this uh, podcast Controversy and the Abortion Dilemma. And before I get started on on abortion in particular, I do want to talk about some controversial things in the church today. And uh, what we see is we see all these different types of churches, right? Uh, it used to be pretty clear, like there was a Catholic church and there's the Protestant church. There's the uh, uh, Episcopalian church. It, everything has it's like a clear, like how it's foundationally been made how you know you walk in you know what to expect nowadays we have this thing called the non-denominational church and it's just kind of like it's uh, uh whatever whatever you want goes right uh some places the worship's good and the speaking is bad or the speaking is good and the worship is bad or um you got maybe a little bit of both. Both are kind of in the middle, and uh, the the fellowship is bad, or the fellowship is really good, but the you know the worship's kind of a show, uh, a concert. Um, you got places where uh, there's a lot of money coming in, so you got this like high higher hierarchical like thing going on within the church where it's like you make a lot of money, you get special treatment. There's all these like things that are going on in the church that really aren't biblical, but at the end of the day, does it really matter? Okay, and really, what uh, all I want to bring bring to light is if you see something that is out of line with the Bible, just you don't need to be a part of it. It's that simple. Uh, you don't have to uh, make a fuss about it. You don't have to uh, judge people for it. Um, you can just honestly just state to yourself in your mind uh, I don't need to be a part of this and you go find a place that you do want to be a part of and what I found is that being extremely neutral in things is is best uh, reading my Bible and spending time with the Lord is priority and when I do that I learn what God really is 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 wanting and that's what I look for in a church. That's what I look for in people I spend time with. I don't want to spend time with people who are, you know, bending bending the rules of God, you know, bending the Bible to say to do what it wants. I don't like spending time with those people. I'm not saying they're not a Christian. I'm not saying God doesn't love them. I'm not saying God doesn't doesn't have a relationship with them, but I am saying I just I'm good. Like I'm good being around that person, especially if they're a believer. If they're a non-believer, what do we expect? And, and, and I'm going to go into that here in a second. And, and before I like go on around there, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole with that. I just want to finish my thought. So uh, the reason this came up is I, I, I was going to a church and, and there was like this, you know, roped off section in the front. And um, I guess basically what we found out was that this, this roped off section was for the people who, who pay the most money. And, you know, from a, you know, uh, if you want to talk Bible, James chapter two talks about, you know, if, if there comes into your assembly, a man wearing gold rings and fine apparel, like a rich man and a man wearing, you know, filthy clothes. And you say to the, the poor man, oh yeah, go, go over there in that spot. But you say to the rich man, you, you sit here in this very good spot. 
you've become a you become partial you know you've shown partiality among yourselves and you become judges with evil thoughts is what is what James chapter two says. But if you don't read your Bible, you don't know, and you see it happen, and you don't say anything because you don't know. And to be honest, God's not going to hold you accountable for what you don't know. However, uh, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't read. And when I say read the Bible, as we learned when we were memorizing 1 Corinthians 6, you need to read it about 300 times to know it. Reading the Bible through one time and not reading it again is not, is not it, for your spiritual health is not acceptable. You know, and, and to go back to our, you know, what the whole podcast is about, it's about sex, right? Sex addiction, whatever kind of sex addiction you have. If you're not reading your Bible, you you will fall again, and you know that. But when you memorize a whole chapter of Scripture, a lustful thought comes, you recite the chapter in your head, it's gone, and you don't even know what happened to it. And it's very important that uh, if you read your Bible, you will see things, and you will know where to go to church and what to do. So that's my rant real quick. And so uh, I wanted to kind of prelude the... Um, actual podcast with this so so imagine with me for a second okay imagine with me for a second your 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 father you know you're you're about 18 you're a young man and you're a prince okay your father is you know essentially the president or the king of the, your country all right he's also the best fighter of your country and he's also the best musician of your country so he not only is he the the, the leader he's also like your best fighter you know the person who you call upon when there's like another country that's opposing you he's like the the war leader and he's also the uh the person who entered who's the the best entertainer on top of it so he's all these things he dies you take his place you know what do you do this is the exact situation solomon was in when david died and solomon went straight to the tabernacle where God was, where he could meet with God. And he sat there for a day. He he sacrificed what he had to. He sat and he just sat and waited and waited for God. God shows up. He says, Solomon, what can I do for you? And Solomon, you know, you know, God's like anything. You want women, you want you want riches, you want the world. What do you want? And Solomon says, I need your wisdom to lead your people. And God smile, you know, I'm sure God was smiling. He says, Solomon, you could ask for anything you want. You ask for wisdom. I'm going to make you the wisest man in the world. Solomon writes it all down. It's right in the middle of the Bible. It's called Proverbs. I'm going to read a section from there. It says, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I've been established from everlasting from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world, whom he prepared the heavens, I was there. Or when he prepared the heavens, I was there. Excuse me. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters would not transgress his, his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. 
Now, therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear the instruction and be wise and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. And this is wisdom speaking, which we always talk about Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but we never talk about wisdom as even part of that. But this is a statement where wisdom is basically stating that he was with God. Now, a lot of people, you know, this is in reference to Jesus Christ, right? This, like, well, let's, let's just be honest here. But I like to think of wisdom as an an, an additional part to um of God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. Like, it, it's it's almost like the it's right there in the middle with them, not you know, kind of kind of connecting them all. And I, um, when when Solomon asked for wisdom and God was pleased, I really can't help but think that this is an important aspect to, you know, our faith is wisdom. So, Lord, I just pray, God, that you give us wisdom today. And uh, amen. And so there's three things I want to talk about. We're going in. We're talking about abortion. And the reason I wanted to bring up the wisdom part is because we do need wisdom in this area. And we need wisdom not only uh, in the fact that it is, you know, such a controversial thing nowadays, but it's also we need wisdom on how to how to how we should approach it and how we should be um, how we should see it from our point of view. Okay, so there's there's a lot of biblical examples, and then there's just a lot of things that I think will will get cleared up right now. So three questions I want to ask. What is your expectation of an unbeliever? What do you believe happens to the unborn? So that's the second question. And third question, why does abortion make you angry? So first question, what is your expectation of an unbeliever? Our expectation of an unbeliever is they have no choice but to sin and remain in darkness. That's what these people, people who have no hope, will squander their lives in darkness, whether it is, you know, whether they have a lot or a little. They have no choice when you do not know Christ. You have no choice but to squander your life, okay? You shouldn't be surprised when an unbeliever gets an abortion or any sin similar to abort, any sin that you think is worse, better than abortion, an unbeliever is going to do it, okay? So that should not surprise you, all right? And the third thing is, none of these are unforgivable sins. So let's get that clear. God will, if they choose to come to Christ, will forgive them from an abortion, from killing somebody, from uh, sleeping with their significant other before they're married. He will forgive any of that. The only thing he will not forgive is them blasphemy basically saying the holy spirit does not exist and that is when you do not you know you 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 hear about christ you have been told everything about him and you choose not to follow him that is an unforgivable sin because you do not accept that and that's the only thing that is unforgivable so let's just foundationally let's get that clear before we move forward next thing what do you believe happens to the unborn and I think this is probably the main one that Christians get all wound up about. You know, it's like, 
they're anti, you know, pro pro life, right? Versus pro choice. Christians get wound up that, you know, people people are getting abortions and it's terrible. And it, I'm not saying it isn't, but I am saying this. What do you actually think happens to these babies when they're killed in the mother in the womb of their mother before they're born? Let's just be straight honest with ourselves and realize. Now I'm going to give you some scriptures here in a sec. But what do you believe happens to them? Do you believe that they're in hell? Honestly. And the truth is, is that uh, God does, does just keep them in heaven. Like, like, let's just be honest. Like, like if you think that it's, yeah, uh, uh, you, you, you call it murder, yet they're not even born to be murdered. So it's, it's hard to justify that side in the end. Now, not saying it's right, not saying I like it, not saying any of that. But I am saying you need to have a right view of it before you start criticizing those who do it. Um, also, if they're not a again, if they're not a believer, it's like, why do you what do you expect? Like, what's the expectation? OK, um, what is so before, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go into this a little bit deeper on on what do you think happens to the unborn? There's something we call the age of understanding. So if you go to Deuteronomy chapter one, verse thirty nine. Deuteronomy chapter 1. It's the fifth book in the Bible. So all the way to the front. You go to chapter 1, and it's in verse 39. It talks about the age of understanding. And I think this will help a lot of people who aren't quite sure what, what to make of it. So more, moreover, your little ones and your children, who you say will be victims, who today have no knowledge of good and evil, they shall go in there. To them I will give it, and they shall possess it. God's telling this to um, Joshua, um, who's about to go into the promised land with all the people who were not disobedient to God, who walked around for 40 years in the desert, right? That their, their children are going to be allowed into the promised land, okay? And they are... Uh, he's he's referring to children before the age of understanding, and and a lot of people have have already decided what this age is. It's like age four or something. So basically, if you die before the age of four, you're going to heaven. You're gonna, and the parallel is before you accepted Christ and versus after you accepted Christ. Uh, before you're you know you're gonna be condemned uh, to hell. After you're going to heaven because. Christ forgave you of your sins and everything that you've done uh, that is egregious in God's sight is not is not even seen by God because the blood of Jesus Christ covers your sin. And that's the parallel right here in the scripture. But he's saying, you know, basically. Before you understood what good, good was from evil, you know, that those children that are young, they will automatically inherit it because they don't understand the difference. Okay, so that's the age of understanding. The other verse I wanted to talk about was Isaiah 7, 15 through 16. And this one, this one's actually, I actually really liked reading this one because it was a, it was a great picture of Jesus, right? Great picture of Jesus. So uh, Isaiah, which is about halfway through the Bible to the right. So if we were in Proverbs about halfway, if you go to the right, soft right, Isaiah's right there. It's the the largest uh, 
largest book outside of Psalms, I believe, in the Bible. So it says, Curds and honey he shall eat, that he may know to refuse the, the evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that you dread will be forsaken by both her kings. Now, this is God talking to Isaiah to give a, a word to the people of Israel. Now, he's referring to Jesus because it's in capital capital letters H and the child is in a capital C. He's referring to Jesus and basically he's saying that the kings of Canaan or the promised land at the time will be forsaken before the child understands right from wrong, right? That means he won't like these uh he won't be able to be ruled over people of the world or of sin. You know, if you want to look at it that way, Jesus is how we are able to come into God's kingdom. And this is a perfect picture of that. Now, again, like age of understanding is, is God, God only knows each person's age of understanding. You know, a child dies before a certain age. God only knows where they actually stand in their soul about what, like if they know right from wrong. And God does not hold them accountable for sin prior to whatever age that is. And that's between God and, and, it, and, who, and his creation. Okay. And that, that is mainly the reason why I, I needed us to settle that with abortion. Because if you didn't understand that about abortion, I hope that that helps. I hope that that helps and it allows you just to kind of relax on, on it. And, and you might hear that and you might be saying oh well this is a lukewarm you know you know it's becoming a you know you're lukewarm when you aren't holding your ground on something i'm not saying you shouldn't hold your ground on where you stand with it but i am saying you should freaking chill out on getting upset with people who do do it especially if they're an unbeliever if they're even if they're a believer and they've done it they can they, they can get forgiveness from the lord <clears throat> And you have to know that. And you have to be the person who's there to comfort them. You know, the hope is, is that you don't do it. The hope is that you are able to come in line with God's word and know what's right and what's right from wrong, right? But at the end of the day, is it an unforgivable sin? And it's no different. Like, are, are you are you getting angry? Now, I'm just going to I'm just going to move on to my next thing. Are you getting angry with people who are sleeping with their, you know, their girlfriend? Are you getting angry with them? Are you getting angry with people who are sleeping with their girlfriend who you know and they're, you know, you go to church with them and they're doing the wrong thing? Are you angry with them too? Are you angry with people who are laundering money who know the Lord, who 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 uh are aren't managing their finances correctly are you angry with people who have addictions in the church you know are you angry with those people as well that's the question so if you're if you're equally angry then that's good you know you should you should treat all sin as the same but when you see like abortion and you're angry about it and then you also see your brother 
having sex with a girl outside of marriage and you just kind of like look the other direction and you're just kind of ignoring it. You have to get these things in line, you know, and this is, um, this is from, uh, James chapter two. Again, do not show partiality, you know, do not show, uh, the faith of your Lord. We, we should not have the hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with partiality for he who said, do not commit adultery also said, do not, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no uh, mercy. For mercy triumphs over judgment. Go, go there. Read James chapter 2. Read it about 20 times. When you, when you say that, you know, this is wrong, but you don't say something else is, is wrong, and they're both wrong, it's all wrong, right? It's all wrong. But you have to you have to know that it's all wrong. Okay? And you have to decide for yourself that all of it is wrong. And not and you don't pick and choose which what's right and what's not right. You know, get, getting getting plastered drunk, you know, being an alcoholic as a Christian is not right. Being uh you know, uh having you know having an addiction you know being having a porn addiction as well is not you know is also adultery it's not right so it's no different than you know somebody who 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 has an abortion versus somebody who has a porn addiction so do you see them do do, do you hate are you angry at both or are you just angry at one just recognize which recognize where you're at with that and don't put one above the other okay now, before I before I close, I did want to I did I do need to backtrack just for a second. If you go to Jeremiah 7 31, it talks about this pagan worship uh, of this guy Moloch. Okay. He was a uh a, a you know a, a behind every idol, you know, a, a figure, figurine of some kind. There's a demon associated with him. So at the time, Jewish people were bringing their unwanted children to this guy, the, the Moloch, and he had this burning belly furnace, and they would bring their unwanted children and burn them in the furnace. What does this sound like to you? you know? This is where it comes from. This is where hating abortion comes from, right? So you got to know where it comes from. This is, this is where it was first seen in the Bible is bringing your unwanted children that, to be burned in the belly of the furnace of Moloch. Okay, so I'm just going to read it real quick. Uh, Jeremiah 731, which is a little further right from where we were at in Isaiah. So, and they have built the high places of Tophet, which is the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it come into my heart. This is God talking. Therefore, be behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when it will be, when it will, when it will no more be called Tophet or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. For they will bury in Tophet until there is no no room. The corpses of this people will be food for the birds of the heaven and for the beasts of the earth, and no one will frighten them away. Then I will cause to cease from the cities of Judah and from the streets of Jerusalem the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, for the land shall be desolate. God's basically saying he's going to destroy the people who are doing this, who are throwing their babies in the furnace, right? Now, this is the Old Testament. you got to remember, we are not covered by the blood of Jesus. So it was very like harsh and and difficult to understand. 
uh, right now we're in a period of grace. Jesus Christ came, died for our sins, and now uh, we live in a country that uh, ex that literally puts on their money we in God we trust. There is grace here, and God is giving us a chance to come to him despite our decisions as a country, right? So you should have grace as well. We should all have grace for people who are making decisions that we know to be wrong, but shouldn't we shouldn't be condemning condemning these people and we should let God do the condemning because that's that's not our job. Um <clears throat> just to just to conclude this entire topic. Jesus was above morality. Okay? So if you're a person who is um you know for for moral, you know, I want to be a moral person. I have, you know, more morality, I have moral behavior. Jesus was beyond morality. And when we accept Christ, we have the choice to live above morality just like Jesus did because he he wants to live his life through us. We we can also we also have the choice to live carnally as well. So to think that we can't do you know our our the the way we keep our spirit spiritual health going is by reading, praying, fasting, um and worshiping the Lord. And we keep our spiritual health good so that way we choose to follow the spirit and not the flesh right but we we can choose fleshly desires make make no mistake you can choose to live in the flesh if you want and then that's when you see christians do weird things and they're usually weirder than even the world because uh, there's a higher expectation when you accept christ and it's not because you do anything it's because christ does it in you uh, it's the hope. The hope of glory is, is uh, Christ. You know, the Christ in us is the hope of glory. So let let's just end on that. And um, I hope uh, I hope we cleared up a few things about some controversial topics in the in the world today. Uh, this is your brother James, and this was easy sex is not clean, and clean sex is not easy. Thanks for joining us.